Welcome to the Event Room, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. It's that time once again, Brew Crew. I am Tui Deep here with Dustin, Will, and Nick from One West, Endless Events, and All Seated. And we are here to discuss budgeting in 2021 and just that money as a whole. And before we do that, let's get into what we're drinking. So I, I got to start with uh, Broke Clients Suck, Nick. <laughs> Yeah, what are you make... drinking over there? Well, it's uh, it's almost springtime, so I'm thinking spring. I'm thinking, you know, uh, warmer weather. Uh, fresh. Yeah, light. fresh. Not uh, not the snow on the ground, but something lighter. So I'm thinking about the, the morning dew that you would find, and that mm. makes me think of Mountain Dew Zero. Mm. Yes, mm. I always, whenever I <laughs> the see morning dew, I think, yeah. oh, I need a cold Mountain Dew Zero. That's it. I wish Dude, it was... I wish they, were, they made soap, too, so I could just smell like Mountain Dew. Uh, they do make the caffeine soap. They put s- caffeine soap oh. so you can literally scrub your body with caffeine. Is yeah, there, like, soda-themed soaps? There must be. There must, there must be. be. Oh, yeah. There's, there's doctor, an I've Etsy. Had, I, when I was a kid, like, I, there was Dr. Pepper-based soap. That's amazing. But <laughs> so I was a kid. I was, like, five years old. Like, oh, this is awesome. The world <laughs> never ceases to I wonder I was me. single at five. You were single? <laughs> You weren't dating anyone at five. You weren't no. dating at five. Oh. No, and, and the trend continues. <laughs> I was a weird kid. I was a weird kid till like maybe sophomore year of high school. Till like last week or so. Yeah, yeah last year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, drinking I'm, something non I'm, I'm really excited. I'm very very excited. And for all my Canadian friends, we finally got peach bubbly in Canada. It's good. Brand new. Ooh. It's got it even. It's Yay. got a new sticker on the box. Brand brand new, and it's pretty good. What's Everybody's telling me that it's peach. 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 We used to have the the super basic flavors. We talked about the crappy lime flavor, and I think we had the black cherry and something else. But now we have peach and the pineapple flavor here in Canada. So I feel we are moving on up in the bubbly inventory. Did you get that blackberry yet? Yeah, the blackberry is pretty good. Blackberry is, yeah. It's high in my inventory. Great. Interesting. Still not Uh, drinking while we podcast. (laughs) <laughs> I'm. It's incredible. Uh, I'm drinking uh, honest organic peach oolong tea. I've been really getting oolong teas, and I know this one's bottled, and it's not fresh. But uh, I was a little lazy, just decided to drink the bottle. But uh, yeah, it's good. I'm all about that peach right now. So Dustin and I are, yes. are very similar tastes right now. Ooh, peachy guys. Peach. <laughs> uh, and I'm drinking organic green tea with some local honey that I got at a farmer's market. Oh. <laughs> You know what's also good? Peach green tea. You know what actually I'm into? I had a um, last night is it's, it was my dessert. It was um, a, gr- a lychee green tea with lychee jelly. Ooh. In there. Ooh, I went to Japantown. Yeah. I'm not a big boba fan, but the, the jelly. But you like the little jelly, lychee jellies? Yes. What's boba? Yeah. 
Boba Wait, what? is really? like Boba? a tapioca. Yeah. Oh, like, bu- like bubble tea. Mm-hmm. Bubble tea, yeah. Bubble tea, uh, yeah. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Great. let's start talking about this topic and budgeting. And Will, go ahead and, and start us off because this came from your <laughs> yeah your frustration. Yeah, uh, yeah frustrations. And uh, yeah, I call it the B word. Uh, it's funny just like how, uh, you know, like we our sales reps are like trained. We have to be like, you have to get the budget. You have to get the budget because like so many times we go in these conversations and you know, if you, if you don't know what the budget is, you just end up like, okay, I guess I'll shoot in the dark over here. But um, I think it just kind of came out a little bit out of uh, frustration. I think as anybody who's a supplier, when uh, you hear the words like, oh, I'm not sure what my budget is. And, mm-hmm. um, oh, or, or, you know, I haven't been given a budget yet for this. And it kind of, I think just as a supplier and a partner with people to do their events, it's frustrating because I, I just want to know what your budget is so I can know whether I can work with you and I want to know whether I can actually, what I can do, what what stuff do you really need, all that sort of stuff. And um, you know, I think that that's what, kind of a little bit where it came out of um, across the board. Um, so yeah, I just thought uh, the word budget and you know the taboo-ness of it all would be a good conversation for today. Mm-hmm. This is a long, this is a long forever standing issue, I think, in our in our industry. And, and in some ways, like, I, I think it depends on, <clears throat> on where you go. I know I was sitting in a, a roundtable session, and all the guys from Europe are like, this isn't an issue here. We don't, we don't have this type of issue that it, it seems to be a bit of a North American issue of this sort of holding all the cards and dealing out the cards. And, and I, I, I wonder where it stems from. And I wonder if it's, is it mistrust? Is it a, you know, is it, I want to see all the line items and then tell you how much I have. Is it a, somebody's, you know, maybe somebody's holding on to the the big budget and they don't know how to allocate it or they want to see all the options before they divide it up. Like, where do you, where do you think, where do you think this comes from? Because I think we can all agree that it's very unlikely that all those that say they don't know their budget don't actually know their budget. Most of them know what they're working within. So what do you think is like, what do you think is going through that person's head? I don't know what Tui thinks because she, she, you probably had to deal oh, with yeah, this. Oh yeah, you had all the, all the money. You, you were like talking to suppliers all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I was gonna defend maybe the planner on that and say, well, it depends. Like maybe they have their overall bucket, and they need to, uh, like, they might need to do more um, planning in the sense of where to put that because mm-hmm. you know whether that's okay. We have this amount of money for you know endless here. We have this amount of money that to go here we have agency fee like there's maybe they're disorganized in regards to they know their overall budget but they don't know your particular you know yeah. like budget of service <laughs> and products that they have to do and maybe it's because they're uneducated on um your rates or anything of that sort so that's mm-hmm. what i think a lot of times when we work because we work directly with the corporate planners they know their budget from um from you know their they need to actually spend X amount by Q1 or they get, you know, like they, they usually are good with that. It's, I guess, if anything, um, that would be like my first. I think you're right. I think, I think you're right in a lot of cases too. I think you're exactly right. And I think that because once you get into the creative and being a part of a creative industry, I think there's lots of different ways you can spend money and lots of different people that will take your money. So, you know, and, and examples that I, that I always have are like, 
you know, let's say there's a hundred thousand dollars there and there's a scenic company, there's a decor company and there's, let's, let's say, let's say the lighting company is there too. And between those three people, you've got a hundred thousand dollars in the big bucket. And it's very hard to say, okay, I'm going to give 30,000 to scenic. I'm going to give 30,000 to decor. I'm going to give the rest of the lighting. Like it's hard until you see all the options. Cause maybe you actually don't don't want to spend as much on scenic exactly. and you want more decor or you want less decor and more scenic but until you start to see how that all comes together i think i think it is i think it is hard to um give precise numbers because what are you what are you missing out on or how do you how do you really make sense of that so i i can be a little bit more forgiving i think i think for me it's those that can't even give you a range is just is i was gonna so, say at least give so a range painful. as a it's planner so like it's don't let other people work harder right if, totally. if you don't know your budget as the person sending that rfp then go ahead and say this is the amount that i would like to spend totally. like let's actually jump oh, this on the is call. a max that educate? i could absolutely not yeah spend. exactly yeah. Well, this so, could be like a number to start like i think i totally get like the oh hey maybe i'm figuring out how to pot shave this pie and figure out where it yeah. goes i i mean i would just wish if someone just said look like honestly i have a budget i don't know how i'm gonna slice it all can you start at you know i know that i have 100 grand so i'll say like look you start at 40 grand we might have to go lower based on how everything kind of plays out right. but you know like like at least start with that because i mean what vendor isn't willing to go to bat to re-edit their quote or totally. shave things off add yeah. things or you know whatever it is you're going to go through second third revisions i'm totally, totally. down for that the hardest yeah. part i think is when it comes and you are shooting in the dark and then you get ghosted because it turns yeah. out you were way too high or way too low yeah. or whatever it was oh they ghosted you I always, I always Sometimes. give, I always give so much more value to those that are upfront with what they have. I find that my time isn't wasted. My team's time's not wasted. And if you're just mm -hmm. upfront with what you have and you need a $40,000 show and you have $35,000 and you tell me upfront, this is what I have. I am so much more forgiving when it comes to the numbers than I am. If you have me way over quote, come back and you say, oh my God, I love it, but I only have you know, mm. X amount of dollars, then I'm feeling like, why the hell didn't you tell me that we wouldn't have put in all this work and that time wouldn't <laughs> be lost and wasted. And, um, yeah, so I, I, I appreciate some upfront. Um, and I, you know, and one of the unfortunate things is, is that when you, when you're constantly having to beat budgets out of clients, they start to feel like that's all you care about. They're just like, Oh, mm -hmm. that's, you know, all, all you guys care about is the money and you just, and it's like, all we care about is proper parameters to do our work in so yeah. that we can like, do I just want to be profitable we'll do this the right way while yeah. also making sure I give you a good experience totally yeah Nikki it's yeah. the b word what do you there. think I, I I mean there's a I, I don't think we do any benefit to the whole situation by having many of us have overlapping skill sets uh making mm. up our own titles um and that kind of thing so you know are you, i'm an event producer oh do you do production no i design uh what does that mean well i help plan your events all of those words are used together or separately right. some people believe that one thing means one thing other people believe it means another thing so when they have these conversations they don't know who they're talking to and they don't really know the like the limit to your contributions mm -hmm. um and they don't know how much money to leave in reserve so like they're right. never never showing their full hand because they don't know where the bottom's going to pull out because a lot of what we do seems like smoke and mirrors and it seems like yeah. um you know where's my value and and where do you end and it's it's just not a simple endeavor there's the design as you said the creative and then there's all this hyper practical stuff on top of that, right? So like there's people you'll have a conversation with, they think, and they give you a solution uh, and that is in the form of strategy or design. 
And then there's they're like, well, I don't, you know, I'm not going to do it for you. I don't have trust. I don't have people. Uh, and then there's things like, well, we, you know, that means there could be overtime. So they have all this like money in reserve because they don't have enough knowledge to know absolutely everything because we're a pretty, um, I don't know, uh, unique industry to deal with, let's say, uh, in, in as much as it's all Wild West. So I think mm. that's contributes to it. Um, I think that the... Um, the planners themselves, um, in, in, let's say like the face to face world, like this is the, we'll get into how this is like even more complicated now in virtual, but mm -hmm. in the face to face world, um, I think that there is, um, not enough, uh, trust given to, um, vendors and, uh, people who are working maybe third party in planning, um, because they're, they, they try to like m most of the times that people that are hiring you, they have a better, or th there's a more likely position for them to fail and look bad than there is for them to actually succeed. Um, and, or I shouldn't say, uh, reap the fruits of, uh, the, of success. So like they're, uh, put in a position where they have to do this work because it's part of their job to hire these people. Um, if they do a bad job at that, there's some real bad repercussions. If they do a good job from it, that's about it. They just did their job. Right. So, so they're they're operating from a place of fear more than anything else. Like if they had some kind of stake in it, that you were talking to someone who actually had you know uh, some benefit in in the success of it. Uh, for instance, if you were talking directly to a marketing or sales in a in an unsiloed uh, way, as opposed to someone who's been allocated the events portion of it, you know, pushed out, um, and they had some kind of incentives to you know this, they might play ball with you. And they might they show you their full hand because they have stake in the game. Um, middle management or someone like that, like they can just look bad. Um, and that is, you know, from um, spending too much money, not succeeding, they can point their finger at you. Um, but mm -hmm. spending too much money, nobody can point their finger at anyone them but them. So mm -hmm. I find that like oftentimes when you're dealing with people who don't uh, have any stake in the success, um, then you're just mitig you're like managing and mitigating uh, you know, the negatives. And, and that puts you in a position where it's just a lot of deception and not a lot of clarity. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And I wonder too, if it's, um, <clears throat> and maybe this goes to your point, Nick, where, where we struggle, we struggle with the things that we don't know because, you know, everybody, everybody can show up and they know what they want to spend on food. Right. I mean, they've, they pretty much got it ingrained. They know the formula. They know what high what high end's gonna cost. They know what mid level's gonna cost. They know what the you know, the cheap crew meal is gonna cost. Like those they know and I think they're confident with that knowledge. So it's very easy to go in, roll in and say, Okay, this is what I've got. I got hundred and fifty dollars a person for dinner. I don't wanna spend more than thirty dollars a bottle for wine, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm gonna have a host bar, I'm gonna have a cash bar. Like that part seems to be there's a confidence there in those numbers. And then once you get out of that part, it seems to get a little bit slippery where and maybe that is just you know it's more dynamic there's more there's way more options there's way more um there's a creative element to it there's a there's a design element to it that that i think makes it a lot harder to just be confident with okay i've set aside x amount for you and um the creative element i think is is um the, the biggest part of it it's the creative element that is um billable creative so like mm -hmm. for instance there is a creative mm -hmm. element to be sure in f and b there is a creative element of course. to be sure yeah, yeah, of course. in rentals they just don't bill for it uh right. so therefore um there isn't a lot of um fear around it uh nor mm -hmm. i i think are they really you know doing themselves any kind of credit i guess big picture but that's another another point 
Um, so I think that they're, they're more fearful uh, of any um, collaborator who has billable hours associated with creative, which generally puts you in the bucket of uh, anything on the design side or audiovisual where there is hours and investment put into expertise uh, and um, that is, you know, billable hours. But it's actually very similar to um, what marketing agencies face, except marketing agencies are generally really tied uh, win or lose to um, and they flip like insanely fast. Right. Like that, like the retention rate, I think that event companies have uh, is much higher than the retention rate that marketing agencies have uh, just in general. So, like, mm. I think that the clarity of the marketing agency, like it's it's tied to success. So the success metrics are. Um, not just did you sell more tickets, which, you know, even the event company necessarily doesn't have complete control over in right. marketing. It's like you succeed and that's how you get the business and it's black and white. It goes in, the, in a spreadsheet. Uh, mark or event companies, because so much of it is left up in the air as far as like gauging success and, and making it something that is uh, uh, black and white ROI. Um, that they end up sticking with the ones they have a good feeling with a good working relationship with. Um, that will work within their budget, you know, like basically mm -hmm. inexpensive. Uh, and where marketing agencies, people will dump a ton of money into uh, because they get graphable results. And until they don't, and then when they don't, then they dump them immediately. Right. So it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I think many of us retain clients who we don't really have to, you know, do anything that's super crazy or outside of our uh, abilities. You know, like we just know how to do it and, you know, we, and that's that. And it's just turnkey. Uh, we don't have to like succeed in a creative way that is uh, changing a marketplace or actually changing the behavior in a measurable way. Um, they just, you know, get by on people skills uh, and the marketing agencies can't do that. They have to literally show the numbers um, on the uh, or they go away. Uh, but on the other hand, they get paid way more like they just mm -hmm. get paid buckets of money for purely creative work. So, you know, uh, the creative, if you don't t attach it to straight up numbers so anyone that says i don't know what your budget is you first go all right let's go back before that yeah what are your what are your financial you know investment goals for this like what do you need to achieve that is verifiable and then we'll work from that there because then you could talk about percentages right. of what it costs and then that's the real conversation the real conversation is it's it's what percentage of your goal uh is acceptable for this to be a, a win mm -hmm. yeah i'm not sure if it's just like the the business person in me that just, you know, yeah, it sees it so clearly as like, okay, so you are, uh, you think you're going to make a million dollars off this event because each tickets, let's just make this really easier. A million people are going to come, each ticket's Ooh. a dollar. Ooh. Um, I'm in. Then I, and you're like, okay, well, I, this is how I make money as a business. So therefore, you need to determine how much money you want left over in the end. Let's say it's like 20%. Now you know, okay, I have, $800,000 to spend on costs to put this towards. So therefore my whole entire event budget's 800,000 and then yeah, starting to to do it. But it makes sense a lot of what you're saying as far as like the the risk portion of it. And I think this fear of getting ripped off is like huge. Like I used to think it was just the AV world, but as like my company has expanded its services more, I realize it's across the whole events industry that people are just afraid to get an extra bill at the end or afraid that costs are going to get out of control mm -hmm. and um I think that's one reason why Similar to what you're saying, I think there's this level of distrust that if I give the vendor my number, they're mm -hmm. going to come in right at that number because they're going to inflate it to get to that number. And some but people like, will. Hey, by the way, I, I've, well, worked yes, for people, people. I've worked for lots of companies that absolutely have done that. 
Yeah. Yeah. For and sure. I, I, well, I think it's like terrible. Maybe it's this real. is a separate size subject of like terrible practices mm-hmm. event companies have. But like, I think my hope is that you have conversations with a vendor. Do you feel like that's something you can sense out in like the initial conversations that you have? Because my hope is that they just, you know, oh, yeah, if you give me $40,000, I'm going to put the best event possible for $40,000. i am going to eat, like, not like try to squeeze every dollar out of it, mm-hmm. but I'm going to squeeze every bit of value. I'm going to give you what you can get. And if you say, I don't need that anymore, okay, we'll get rid of it. Okay, you're at 35000 now? Okay, cool. Like, good. Mm-hmm. Let's go with 35000 Yeah. I think some of the some of the best relationships that I have are those that call me and say, hey, I'm working on a budget. Let's chat through a few things. And we'll go through it and they'll be like, okay, I'm thinking this much for this. And I'm like, hey, it's out of town. Let's make sure we add in, you know, X amount here. And and I, I, I to them, I'm a trusted event professional that will be like, I think you're high here. I think you're low here. Let's move some of this over there. And and I think that that getting getting people you trust in this industry involved earlier in the budgeting process can be so so helpful um and and then when they come around so it's you know i have a had a conversation a a couple days ago with a client last week and and when that event comes around when it shows up on our doorstep we know that the budget is there for what they need to accomplish and then there's none of this there's none of this sort of cat and mouse bullshit and i think if you can get into that sort of relationship for those that are holding the budgets to have some trust up front and before before the before the project even goes out there to to have those conversations nice and early so that you're confident about the numbers that you've put forward that have been approved um and i I, i'm talking completely in a corporate environment not a ticket sale environment that's not necessarily my business but you know the the more open you are from the very 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 beginning i think the better the better experience you're going to have and there's nothing there's actually nothing worse than not having enough money to do what you need to get done and have it like i can't imagine it's a great experience having to like grind down a budget to make something work like that that must suck a lot if anything it's like an opportunity for you know like it's like a mindset like yay okay we can work around this but what you're saying dustin being open enough front and that's why I feel like our industry is so unique in the sense of it's really is trust in like who you know and being able to have those dis- discussions because my request for proposal details are it's like insanely detailed. It's to the point where I might oh just gosh. be asking you for one area. Oh, does that does that bother you? That's like, that's, <laughs> no, that's, I love it. No, because oh, like some because people just come me, and they're like, yeah. yeah, so I have an event. It's on this yeah, day. Yeah. No, like send I need cool. for send me a quote in an hour. Yeah, to partner with you, like, well, supplier partner, like vetting and all that's just like my jam. And I want to make sure it's fair. Like, I always want to be the fun, cool, like when Tui comes around with an opportunity. Yeah, like I want to be a cool mom for them to be like, yes, Tui's here. Not, oh, gosh, she's so demanding. Oh, it's such a burden working with her. I'm going to charge her a pain in the ass fee. Like, I never want to be that client, (laughs) you know. And so, like, for me, when I send all the details, including budget, even if I don't know it, I like to just jump on the phone with that individual and say, okay, this is like, this is my plan. This is what I'm pitching. And right now you're like high in this area. So like, what are the things that are mandatory for this venue, for example? Or um, I'm able to, yeah, like I, I want to trust the the supplier because they are the expert in their field, right? I, I know a little bit about everything, but I'm not like hands down can like you know your warehouse the best you know your venue your destination whatever the case may be that experience the best and so i'm relying on you but i also it goes two ways i need to be open in my communication and be like hey okay let's connect let's ask those questions that we need to and then on the other hand they need to be 
honest and upfront too. There's, I love when suppliers are saying, they tell me like, okay, your budget is low. This is what we can mm-hmm. do. Or I can pass you like here, let me, let's try to find some solutions. And mm-hmm. when they're honest and upfront about that, then I can say, okay, let's see if I can find something. I'm Even in my RFPs, when I give even a range, I say, if there's a really great, cool idea, don't be afraid to pitch it because this client, this particular opportunity with this client has room to, mm-hmm. you know, this is what's important to them. This is the why, which is the most important. The other thing, um, side note, is I don't understand why some clients don't, they, they keep the end user, if it's a third party, like, undisclosed like i get mm-hmm. so, sometimes it's like there's a privacy confidential portion to it but then on the other hand i going into that fear base some people are fearful that they might take it and run with mm-hmm. it directly or anything of that sort and it's like it just boggles my mind because one if it's your idea and it's creative i'm using you i'm not going to go and turn around and go to your competitor or like try to do it myself it's your idea that's your intellectual property and two if you don't like disclose the budget or even who the end user is, to me, I want you to go and do that research. The excuse totally. or the, uh, the scenario I always use is if I give you like a sustainable, eco-friendly uh, company and you are a transportation company and you end up sending me Hummer limos because I said they want that <laughs> VIP experience. Yeah, that's not on their brand or their right. vision or their value. And right. so, and if they didn't, if they didn't take the time to do the homework, then you know who you're dealing with. So if exactly. you've given them all the information and they have like not I give them, them notes up, from my client meetings. Yeah, like yeah. I'm like, but hey, I, but this I think, is what their I think hot buttons fair. are. Yeah. yeah. And I think so that, I, wanna, I feel yeah, like we've ahead. gotten better. Like as an industry, I feel like the last, you know, the last 10 years that I've been in it, I feel like, like we have gotten better at that sort of hiding who the client is and not wanting to share too much. And, and, and maybe that's coming from some confidence that, that it's okay. Or people are realizing that you can, you're only going to do your best work with the best information. Um, but I, I do, I, I, and it's, yeah, you're probably right. It probably is. The internet's made things a lot more transparent and there's really, it's hard to fight it. Um, and, and honestly, like, I think that like, I remember like when I first figured out like what booking agencies do, (laughs) <laughs> I was like, you know, like in my 20s or whatever. And I was like, man, how do they exist when they really are just like people who have access to a Rolodex? And it's like, well, no, like those smart ones are that differentiate themselves by being able to help you determine what you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I found out people with like, OK, then people that put like logos on pens and stuff. And I'm like, how do they exist? You know, mm-hmm. because like that, there's even harder ability for them to be able to prove like they're. There, there is that for everything and i think that like honestly unless you can really prove your specific value then you know there's no reason you, you need to exist in the first place so be mm-hmm. transparent and let that burn you um yeah, i just totally. think that our industry is um just grappled with this um fight uh for legitimacy um and also this fight for too much expectations on us so like I think that like on one side, expecting people to know all these different disparate uh, skill sets of of planning and and creative design and business and uh, marketing concepts and uh, practical things like lighting and Mm -hmm. food. Like, and things that change every yeah, moment. Yeah, constantly, constantly change and mm. like mm-hmm. shifting environments and new technologies. And then saying to these people, um, hey, you can't just like stick with a formula that works um, because and like just bill for that because, uh, you know, uh, it's not right or because you're not you know showing your worth enough. Um, it's really difficult to ask that much of people and then also to say that you're you're a hack unless you. Um, you know, just give away everything that you do. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's tricky, um, but I'm, I'm really uh, um, 
I like the progress that we were making as an industry. I think we're in a completely different situation now where you can look at it and say, okay, like we not necessarily restart, um, but there is a lot of um, rapid new skills having Mm -hmm. to be developed. And uh, uh, I I believe that like some of the lack of transparency seemingly that's happening now that to make things more confusing actually isn't because of the I'm hoarding the information that no one else has. But I think Mm -hmm. that really is a a landscape where uh, almost unilaterally um, people don't know what they're doing. Um, Right. Right. And because it's based on and fairly like. Yeah. um, Yeah. It's it's based on a real like shifting landscape. Like like I don't care how technologically advanced you are or how smart you are you don't know where things are going in in a year from now because number one right. you don't know how, what people what the what the buyer wants which is really all that matters mm-hmm. um because it, it's based on their um their level of like comfort in in different product offerings and you don't know what technologies are being developed right now that are not out yet so like mm-hmm. you can't really say like it wouldn't like the fact that in 2020 we used Zoom constantly as uh, a verb and and you know like the thing that people were on co- and then a couple years before that no one you know used that at all and in fact there was another uh, other technologies that did the exact same thing like you, whatever happened to Skype right I use Skype every day uh, actually because our Israeli office is like in love with Skype so like I'm on Skype 24 hours a day now. Literally, because um, they're seven hours different. But, um, anyways, they didn't they didn't make it. So I think that like even the even the smartest people can't really forecast that far ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what we have to do for events. Like we don't plan events oftentimes like in big scale or, or even like medium scale in in three or four months. So we're all thinking about and planning for things in a future that no one quite knows. Right. So um, to not give your whole budget and not know that like everyone's really going to want this thing or no one's going to do this or um, no one or people are going to actually want to be in face to face desperately at this time or they're absolutely frightened. Like, yeah. I, I think it's pretty fair to do that. Uh, I think what requires uh, what it's required now is a lot of hedging um, and and like modular budgeting uh, and more so um, expectations for a range of results, you know, like mm-hmm. it. That you're not going to necessarily get um, the best results um, that you've had, you know, year to year, because you can't really, you know, judge years against years right now. Right. Um, you just have to be able to look at things like in, you know, best case, worst case, and you have to learn from it. And that's the thing that event professionals, I think, where marketers and event people are completely different as someone who sits in both camps, is the fact that. I am right now going to I'm looking at a spreadsheet right now of keywords that I'm looking uh, to buy uh, for competitive ad buying on Google. So that's that's someone who is in my position does the same thing when they invest in events. It's like I want results and I'm I'm willing to roll the dice a little bit. Um, I, I know that some of these will not work out. You know, some of these will my cost per acquisition will be terrible. Uh, My closing rate might not be really good. I might get, you know, a, a nice volume of leads. They might all be garbage. Whatever. I don't know any of that stuff. But I'll go in. I'll make educated guesses uh, within the experience that I have. I will I will spend some money to learn uh, and I will test the relationships based on the people that I need to do that. Events, for some reason, it's like pass fail um, mm-hmm. and it's not iterative for some reason. And um, everyone's really scared of of not hitting the mark exactly as if there was a binary you know, mm. at the result of it. So I think that in, in this time, like what we could do with budgets is say, 
look, this, these are the end goals we need to have. Like we need to be, you know, this would make us whole. This would make us really happy. This would, you know, change the game uh, and shoot for that kind of thing. And then have the other aspect of it be learning curve, right? So if you were to bring in your vendors, if you were to hire slow, you know, and really base it on trust and bring them in early um, and say, okay, let's talk about goals before we talk about budget. Like this is mm -hmm. what would make all of our stakeholders, internal, external, like whole and happy. Um, let's all collaboratively come up with ways that we think that we can impact that the best we can and not necessarily say, okay, if you don't do this, we're going to, you know, lose you, but say, this is, these are the goals. Let's all buy in. Let's get creative. Let's be creatives and actually work on creative solutions. If everyone were to do that and the goal was everyone was all in on doing everything they can to hit those goals, knowing that like, if we hit this mark above that, you know, look, we're, we're going to be in, into retention, you know, like this is, this is how I'm going to base my retention. Be transparent. Um, you know, like, you know, you seem like you have the creative solutions, you have this, um, and just be more goal centric and more strategic as opposed to saying, this is my, you know, this is my list, you know, uh, fulfill this list, uh, come under this number and don't, don't, uh, I don't know, don't spend too much money. Like who I, I, right now I'm looking at these ads. I don't really care like how much money I spend. That doesn't really matter if I get the, the end goal I want, like I'm spending, uh, I think this is very analogous. Like I'm spending $2 for certain things and I'm spending $20 for certain phrases because I know that my, my likelihood for success on the $20 is going to be so much higher. Right. And, and in events, like when we, when people invest in us, it should be the same way. Like, look, I'm $20, but you know, like the, the way we work is different and, and the conclusion and the results are going to be much higher. Um, so you get what you pay for as opposed to saying uh, all things are the same. Um, and I also do this in ad buying, um, to further in the analogy, I go in a little bit on a small thing first where the failure isn't as bad. So like you were talking about, Oh, it's really terrible for the people that don't have that much budget. I agree. However, if you can prove a use case, I've always done this where I've been in situations where I don't have a lot of money marketing wise or investment wise in something. I just prove that the formula works, right? right. So if I were to go to you, Dustin and say, look, I don't have a lot of budget for this event. Um, I want to work with you. Uh, I'd like to gain that budget. Is there anything we can do in the, in the, in the realm of events where I could get the same kind of result where we work together on something in a small capacity for 30 people? Maybe it's influencers, mm -hmm. maybe it's this, so I can get the press and then I can gain more attention and gain them, whatever. Like, what can we do on a small level um, that proves that this is a working, you know, relationship that can yield results. And then we can build upon that for bigger things. Once we, I go to people that I can get money from, uh, to be able to say that this is a, this is a, you know, a system that works. You'd be my dream client. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's actually not that hard. I used to do it with events, even in planning, uh, before where I would do, uh, like I, I for nonprofits, like I would say, okay, this, we, we want to sell this, uh, ticket uh we want to sell it at you know 200 dollars a person in a smaller market it's tough to do so what i'll do is i'll have a smaller event with some like more influential people with less money to drum up attention in order to get a, a likelihood to have more conversion down the line and more noise down the line when i sell the 200 dollars ticket so let's do this but i would use the same partners and say yeah. like let's let's go in on this smaller event and like we're just talking about trust and creativity in this engagement you know yeah. like it's it's all scaled. It's all appropriately scaled. Your profit will be, you know, scale. It's just going to be a smaller event. Yeah. Um, but we're going to work on our relationship. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I've done that a few times. It's worked out really well. 
it's different than the person that says, hey, take a bath on this event and I promise the budget will be better next year. That's yeah. not the same thing. It's <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> that one's hard. That one's or, really uh, tough. Take this because the people at it are really good and right. you be in front of those people. You know, right. like it's nonsense. It's all right. I'll put your logo in the program. Great. <laughs> it's also not good, how good exposure. Like if you, if the problem is, is that I've I've experienced the the the, the other side of that, and what I found is, is that when I come in under, um, when I say yes to that, I am instantly part of the math equation that is cheap. Right. So like that's what's counted upon at that point. Like that's what was part of the secret sauce for the success. I was inexpensive. Right. So they might look at that formula and say, if I spend more money with someone else, I'll make more money or whatever. But like the formula is off, right? Because part of the equation that brought you in there, if you do a smaller scale thing where everything is comparable scale, but really, again, the focus is on um, what you put in is what you get out. And it, it like works like that. Again, I know I'm thinking like a marketer on this as mm -hmm. opposed to like an event person. No, it's, it's translatable. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I think more small events where you where you have opportunities to gain trust uh, in uh, and you still accomplish goals um, that are valuable. That will speak to the people that have less um, fun money uh, to potentially uh, throw away on on like what I'm doing with some of these keywords where I'm like, nah, I'm going to I'm going to roll the dice on this at twenty dollars, you know, for top of page. It's pretty expensive, but. I have a good gut feeling about this. That's because, you know, it's not my money, right? Or whatever. Right. If it if I was real scrappy, you know, and not with a company that's been around for almost a decade, I would probably, you know, be like, uh, I'm going to look at these nickel and dime low uh, competition. Uh, penny, penny stocks and prey. Yeah, yeah. And I think for the events, you can work your way up there. But um, what matters is testing that relationship. And um, I, I think think of hiring your your vendors um, like you would HR, you know, really slow to hire, really, really talk to people that they know. And then I got really into it because I started I've been starting to do the thing that I'm like the worst at uh, naturally, and that's uh, uh, interviews. Um, so I, I like read about this star methodology of HR, which is all about um, it's really simple. It's like, tell me about a time where you. And then it's about storytelling. So they have to actually give you a true experience that they've had in scenarios. I think if we were to start asking questions like that to see if, if the people that we would work with are the kinds of people that can, you know, um, I, I don't know, like have that trust of saying like, geez, tell me about a time where, you know, budget was low uh, on this gig and you still, you know, you, you did work that you thought was credible and you, it was, you know, your, you know, uh, let's say it was not like you didn't just throw it away. It was like worth it, mm -hmm. uh, but it still had results. Or like, tell me about uh, a time where just that kind of methodology of asking questions. Um, we have to start thinking about trust as probably the most important thing when it comes to ROI. Hmm. Well, what do you think? I definitely think there's, I think the word trust is like so interesting to be brought up in the, the form of the conversation budget. Cause I mean, we talked about it since the beginning and it's, it's so interesting to hear that. Yeah. If you have trust budget becomes less of an issue. 100%. So maybe, so I'm wondering if it's like, yeah, how can you accelerate trust in a lot of ways? Like you guys were saying, you have to be, um, you have to deliver exceptionally. 
you have to be transparent and upfront and not every relationship starts with trust and sometimes you have to earn it and I think in a lot of cases we think that it should just be there that you should just trust us because I I have you know I'm award-winning and I like like that that instantly means you should trust me and I do think that when you're dealing with a client for the first time the I think the onus is on you to build that trust and to show them and if that means you got to jump through a few more hoops or play the budget game a little bit you know the that that you have to work hard to gain that trust and if that relationship still continues that way then you got to decide whether that's what you want to do most of my clients we don't have this issue with it's new clients that come in that 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 typically we have to oh, and yeah, and 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 I think it's and I think it's I think it's reasonable and it's okay and that mistrust has you know that the lack of instant trust there I think has been built over time by an industry not by you personally and I think that it's I think it's okay to to, to put up with it oh sorry Skokie think, agrees what do, think, <laughs> what do you think is like the number one like trust building question as it kind of relates to budget that you think can kind of accelerate like if you had to ask one ven a vendor one question that you think would accelerate trust and make it easier for someone to say like here's my budget put it all on the table and they're transparent back to you, right? What would be your question to a vendor that you'd want to get an answer for? Uh, tell me about a time where um, you um, uh, lost the trust of a client. And what oh. did you, and what did you learn? <laughs> well, man, I wish I was as nearly as popular as you were. <laughs> it's COVID. Don't ring my bell. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Tilly, what would be your one question? I, I, not one question comes to mind, but I just love getting to know um, potential supplier partners, like on a on a personal level. On a personal level, I actually don't like even like talking about business. I actually like when you go into the storytelling and getting to know them, like you know when they're like, "Oh, sorry, my my dog or kids," like, and I'm like, "No, no, like tell me about them." Like, who? Let, let, let's see. I had someone's husband like walk by. And I was like, hi, hubby, like, you know, what's your name? You know, like they came in and joined the conversation. And so I just like to know who people are as individuals, if they're morally sound. Because at that point, like if, if I know that I'm working with someone with good character, then that makes me trust them before even working with them. Because then um, regardless of what your budget is, actually, the, the more I trust someone, knowing that if something happens, they're going to be there, like, I want to be fair in in the rate. Like I'm not someone to just nickel and dime. And and if I am somewhere, I'm like, oh wow, budget is really tight now. I'm very honest with with that individual. And I said, mm -hmm. is there you know, like what can we do? I and the thing is, I wouldn't make I wouldn't do the ask if I wasn't yeah. already sacrificing some things too. Right. Like it's a partnership. I think that's yeah. the thing. It's a partnership. It's a it's a supplier um, relationship with the client. And it's just what Dustin was saying. You need to be transparent. And mm -hmm. my question. Would just be like, tell me about like, yeah, about yourself personally. That would yeah. probably. I think my question would be, I would want to know. I would ask, like, based on my budget and what you know, where should I focus? Where should my priority be? Mm, and I question. think that you can learn a lot in that. So I think that. Well, let's say they don't know what your budget is. You haven't. You you don't feel that. Well, then I, that trust. Hypothetical. So like, oh, yeah. Hypothetical. 
Yeah, I would ask, I, even if they don't know what the budget is, I would lay out what it, what it is and I would say, what do you think my priority should be here to accomplish my goals based on whatever it is that I'm selling? So if I'm the, mm. if I'm the, the designer or the furniture rental company and I say, where, you know, based on what you know about my event, what, what should my priorities be? And if they come back to me and it's like, okay, let's not waste our money on the zhuzh. What you really need is mass amounts of seating. You're going to learn a lot about that relationship and if you can trust them. That's mm, good. I like that. I would. I think my question would be like, talk to me through like what transparency means for you in the budgeting process. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're gonna. Like, it's gonna be a right? real like, honest <laughs> response. I mean, like, or yeah, it's not, it sure and then they're gonna show it to you there too. Well, I mean, yeah. like, yeah. Or, and, but here's the greatest part about it too is that if they say something and then they don't own up to it later, then yeah. you don't have to choose another vendor, right? So, like, yeah. like, what does it mean for you on on transparency side? And they might like say a couple things, and I might say something like. Okay, so let's say for example that yeah, like I'm 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 over budget and I need to cut some costs. How would you talk me through that? Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, let's say that um, you know scope changes. We're two months away from the event. How yeah. do you what's that conversation look like? Right, I'd use that to kind of spur that like that conversation. What does that transparency look like? And it might also like it's almost a similar question that I love in the RFP process, which is like talk to me about your culture of your company just in general, like what your core yeah. values, what your mission, but this like specifically has to do with transparency and process because somebody who's just like, yeah, well, you know, we're super transparent. doesn't talk about the processes they put in place right. to be transparent. Right. You know, like I'd be like, Oh yeah. What does that look like? But also I think being willing to, I would love to hear from them to say areas they aren't transparent in, right. Yeah. That they're going to say like, look, like, you know, I, I'm going to tell you, tell you, this is how much the labor is going to be, but I'm not going to tell you like how many people it is or hours. And someone would be like, okay, cool. That, that makes sense. I'm okay with that. Right. Like I would almost want to know the areas you're not transparent into, but mm -hmm. because that's like, I think almost the opposite of what everyone else is thinking. We yeah, actually lost an opportunity in my, in my past life bidding on a big program because we were not willing to be transparent with our suppliers rate because they give us special you know like it just exposes them and we were on the side of um our, it was like a decor house and we were like we can't we can give you retail rate but we like just can't because you know of this that and the other and i think that was a really great moment where we we lost the opportunity because of mm -hmm. it but we maintained our relationship with our supplier and that was something that was important to us i would totally be willing to like I don't know if I should say this publicly and be held accountable to it, Do but it. I, I mean, maybe here's an idea of what I would be considering is, but like, I mean, if a client was willing to like, I would share my profit margin on someone I had on a show, just as long as they didn't use it against me, right? Like you didn't like go like, oh, I know you're, you know, you can sacrifice five points off of yeah. this or whatever it is, you know, on there. I, I'd probably be willing to get that level of transparent parent with, I probably would have shared the, the supply, but I'd be like, look, please just, you know, this is a rate that we get. We built a relationship when we worked with them for so long. Like, you know, like, please don't use that against me. Something. I just but don't like, see obviously, it. I don't, that's not how I word it, but you yeah. know, <laughs> I just don't see the value in that. Like, I don't see the value in, in well, I mean, it's like true sacrifice. Like, does like that, you lay it on the table. Does that really build, they... does that really build more trust with somebody by sharing your, your total numbers? Like, I think, Good point. I think yeah. what the, what a buyer needs to know is that you price competitively, right. And whether you're on mm -hmm. the high end of that or the low end of that, like nobody wants to pay mm -hmm. double what they should for something. So they want to know that you're, that you do your research, that you, that you charge competitively. I think that they want to know um, that you're going to bring creative solutions. They want to know that when when shit hits the fan, you're going to be the one that has their back and it's going to make them look good because at the end of the day, especially for suppliers, that is the untold one thing that everybody wants more than anything else is to look good. They want the show to run good. They want to get a slap on the back from the CEO that says great job and can you accomplish that? 
good point. That is a great note to end on, Dustin. Oh, is it and time so already? It's Look, time. That was a long time one. Time having fun. Yeah. So, call to action. Oh, should we just do what Will asked us? Like, what's the one question that you would ask for yeah. a potential supplier partner that you're vetting to to trust them? And what are some questions around budgeting that you may have that maybe works and um, during your you know process? So, email us at eventbrew@hellas. Dot com. <laughs> she had it. What are you can, doing? Yeah, Hold her hand through this. Uh, we on camera. I can see. I saw the. I saw the like the look up for a second to remember what it was. <laughs> or you can Jesus. hashtag Brew. Uh, Uncle Nick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and other than that, just we thank you for listening to us every week and our banter's and would love for you to, to interact and engage with us on these conversations. We always so. come in under budget. Yeah. Show. Yes, not always yeah. on time, but always, always <laughs> under always budget. Under Listen, what is the it? The value it's, is just there, you it's guys. Cheap, the cheap, fast, there. and done right. What are the three? <laughs> you can only have two, something hey, like that. We're, we are cheap. We're cheap and we're fast. Not always done right. <laughs> oh my gosh, awesome. That's hilarious. Well, until next time, bye, Dustin. Thank you, Will. Broke clients suck, Nick Borelli. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tui. Bye, Tui. Bye. Bye. Good job. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Event Group. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. See you next time on Event Group.